Praise the Lord. Welcome to our Friday morning Bible study. We are studying 2 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter 3 beginning this morning on this first day of this new year. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, pastor of Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas, and I'm glad you're with us this morning, and I'm glad you are following along with our Bible teachings whenever you are. You can find them all uploaded later to the church website, which is thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also find them uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And even now, they're being recorded live in the audio version on the Spreaker app. And my channel is for those who have ears to hear. And again, let me just say God bless you. And I pray that you would find the goodness and the abundance that God has promised to drop in the path that he will direct you in this year. Psalms chapter 66 tells us that, that God has crowned our year. That word crowned means surrounded. He's crowned our year with goodness and dropped fatness, abundance in our path, that path that he has for us. Hallelujah, that path of the just. Those who've been justified by the blood of Jesus who are walking on that path today, God has promised that path will shine more until the perfect day of Jesus Christ. Listen, everything else is growing dim as we will see in the scriptures this morning. Everything else is getting darker and darker and darker. And the world is never going to catch a light and catch a hold of this. Only those who were born again. Only those who come to God through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. Before we get into our teaching this morning, I don't do it often enough. I just had a couple of hundred of these books reprinted. All God's works are done in truth. What a great way to start your year off with a little 62-page booklet. It's really derived from Psalms 33 and 4. For the word of the Lord is right, amen, and all his works are done in truth. And that, that has helped us so much in these last days to even see a greater light of God working in Christ who is our truth according to his word which is truth by the spirit of God who is truth. And this little book will help you get your copy for $10 and you can donate at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950 and get your copy. I'm ready to get into this first session of 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting a brand new chapter this morning in this new year. And again, let me say this is going to be a good year. I'm looking at it from the perspective of God's word for God's people. That's, that's the way I see the new year, the promise that God has given his people that he will crown our year with goodness and he will drop his abundance in our path. It's going to be a great year. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. We pray and we do our part civically, governmentally, whatever that part might be. We pray, we share the gospel verbally, and our lives are lived out as the gospel daily before everyone else. Amen. And so this is going to be a good year, not because I'm declaring it, but because God has already declared it. Glory to God. We're saved. We're headed to heaven. If the saints of old died in faith, never having received the promises, but yet saw them afar off and were persuaded by them, embraced them, and confessed that land wherein they were headed. And that took place under the old covenant where they couldn't even die and go, they couldn't go to heaven when they died. How much more should we be embracing and being persuaded by that which we have that's lying ahead before us. Don't look at what the world's forced to look at because they're lost. You have a whole new picture. You and I now have been brought into the kingdom, into Christ, and you and I now as God's children can be found looking unto 
Jesus. That's right, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Glory to God. It is going to be a grand year. Bad things will happen. Good things will happen. Awful things will happen. This year will be another year for the world to only grow darker and more dim. And you will too, my friend, if you get entangled in it. But as long as you stay single-minded and stay on that narrow path that God placed you on when He saved you, it will become brighter and brighter to you, for you, and you will be blessed tremendously in the midst of adversity. You will be blessed in an amazing way this year. I'm not talking about you getting financially rich. I'm not talking about you getting all this stuff. I'm talking about the treasures you'll find in Christ. I'm talking about the exceeding great reward. He will become to you more this year than ever before if you will be found looking unto Him for His will and His plan to be carried out for you, in you, and through you. Praise the Lord. Going to be a great year. Glory to God. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is session 1 here on the first day of 2021. And we'll just, we'll just enter into this new year today punching the devil upside his already defeated and bruised head, reminding him of what happened at Calvary. Oh, praise God for the blood. Why don't we just come into this new year praising God for the blood? Hallelujah. Why don't we just come in carrying that blood-stained banner, that victory of ours, hallelujah, pointing to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Let the whole world know what we believe. Let us come in through the gate of 2021 declaring the righteousness of our God found in Christ Jesus alone through that shedding of his blood. Hallelujah. Let our voices be heard and may we be found this year favoring God's righteous cause that the shout of the Lord may be among us all year. Hallelujah. And that we might find his pleasures in the camp of Almighty God this year. We just, oh hallelujah, the blood of Jesus. Oh that our our boast would not be in anything else, that we would be able to find our place, functioning place in the body of Christ this year and walk with Him in agreement with Him according to who He is and what He did at Calvary. Praise be to God. This letter <clears throat> that we're reading this morning to Timothy was also to the church there in Ephesus, was all is also to you and to me. God made sure that we got this letter. I'm looking at it. If you have a Bible, you can be looking at it. You know, the Bible is the most precious thing that you have. It reveals to you this God that saved you through His Son, Jesus Christ. It reveals to you not only how to be saved, but it reveals to us how to live saved. And it reveals to us the things that are coming so that we can be prepared by Him to go into these last few fumes, these last few vapors of these last days that we're living in. We're on the edge of this age closing, my friend. I hope you know that. I hope you realize that more than ever before God is stirring the hearts of His people to come to the realization, to be aware of, and to be affected by the reality, this age is about to close. Millions are going, millions, a few billion are going to be left behind when he takes his bride away and we need to be aware. Listen to me now. We need to be aware of our situation. Where do we stand with the Lord according to the word? We need to be aware of what's going on in the world and what's going to go on in the world. And we need to know our part to play and we need to be affected by all of this, moved by the Holy Spirit in all of this. Not just readers of the Bible, but God's Word needs to have an effect, a movable effect in my life. And I pray that be the case for all of you. Paul tells Timothy, this, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, we're going to pick this apart because in this first portion of this 
transitional place in this letter, and that's what it is. The Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was written as letters to individuals. And, and, and so here when we see in what we call the second chapter, I'm, so, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, Paul beginning now to say, this know also. He's not changing the subject. He's just intensifying what he's talking about, bringing a great awareness to Timothy, the church in Ephesus, and I hope especially to you and me today because if he talked about the last days which began when Christ showed up, that's what began the last days, the last part of this age we're living in, then we surely need to be awakened by these things. We surely need to be affected by what God is telling us here in the Word. So when Paul tells Timothy, this know also, you have to go back, and we'll do that. We'll go back to the end of chapter 2. And I love to do that. I, I really feel I really feel there's a necessity to do that when you're studying the Word instead of just waking up every day and going to a new verse without at least glancing back to where you just read because it's all connected. It's all tied together. All of God's Word flows through the heart of God to, to humanity like all of the blood in your body right now, even the blood in your toes right now will eventually pump up and flow through the very heart, your heart that pumps all your blood. It's all going to flow. All the blood in your body, the life of your body is going to flow through that heart. And all of God's Word flow through the heart of God and that means... The heart of God is his, his love for humanity his, and what he did to show that love, to offer that love, to forgive us of our sins. The heart of God toward humanity is the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of his words must flow through that. And it does and the scripture bears that out as in all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8 and his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, hallelujah, Romans 1, 16 and 17. And we need to hold to those things. We, if you're a minister and you're listening to this teaching, you need to begin to share those things with your people. It helps them. I've watched it with my own eyes. It helps the people of God be able to rightly divide the scriptures when they see that all of God's words are in righteousness. They are truth, but truth is the gospel and the gospel is truth. Amen. If God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and Proverbs 12 and 17 tells us that he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, well, there you have it. The gospel is truth. The truth is the gospel. They cannot be separated, praise God. All of God's words are in righteousness and His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. That means through faith in what Christ did at Calvary through the shedding of His blood. That is the gospel, my friend. So when we look back to chapter 2, because Paul says in chapter 3, know this also. Well, okay, let's look back and see what he just said, so because this is this is a continuation of, of the Lord through Paul telling us that you also need to know this. Not just this, but you also need to know this. And we won't stay back in chapter 2 very long, but I want us to see this. In chapter 2, he tells us here in verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, argumentative, in, in a negative way. Now you're going to have to debate some folk, but not not being quarrelsome, not known just to be quarrelsome, but you're going to have to be gentle and able and ready to teach all men, gentle unto all men, able and ready to teach, being patient with them in meekness, that means humility, instructing those that oppose themselves, instructing those, hang on to that, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Your instruction must be truth. God's Word is truth, but when God's Word is, 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 is taught properly, it has a picture of His righteousness. Come on now, somebody. Proverbs 12 and 13. I'm sorry. Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth 
shows forth righteousness. If it's truth, it's showing that which God offers through Christ at Calvary and the effect, proper biblical effect, it can have on your life, which is the fruit of His righteousness. Outside of that, my friend, we're twisting, the we're holding God's Word in an unrighteous context. All of God's words are truth. And they're right. But they're all going to show the picture of righteousness if we're holding them properly. And that means you allowing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to allow us to see. He's, he's attempting to show us Christ and what Christ did at Calvary and how the Word of God affects our lives in that context every day. Every day, all of God's Word. Because our problem is still self. And we're going to see that as we move through chapter 3. But watch this. He says that they may recover themselves out of the trap of the devil. Listen to this. That they may recover themselves out of the trap of the devil who were taken captive by him at his will, which is what happens when we're not acknowledging the truth, which is Christ and Him crucified. The only thing that gets us out of any traps, the trap of the fear of men, the trap of the bondage of, of alcohol, you name any trap that's out there waiting for us to walk right into it through the lust of our own flesh, and it all, all of that takes place because we're not acknowledging the truth of that which delivers us from opposing ourselves, opposing God, delivers us from the trap of the enemy, but it also prevents us from walking into the trap of the enemy. Oh my goodness. So Paul then, he says, at the beginning of chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, this know also, you've got to know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. So the Lord wants me to remind us all this morning that we have to know this. Know this. And, and let me say this about knowing something. It's not just reading it and being in a, in a head knowledge agreement with it. When you know this, it's going to have an effect on you. You and I, many times as we've studied God's Word, we've read through God's Word and we had this comment and we've heard it many, many times, the, the words just jumped off the page at me. Okay? Well, did that moment just end with your comment that the words just jumped off the page? I was reading God's Word this morning, and I was reading in this particular portion of Scripture, and the words just leapt off the page at me. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Get still before God. Let God do more in you than you tell somebody that the words leapt off the page. How did it affect you? How did it move you? Because hopefully what we mean by the words leapt off the page is that faith came. And here's what happens when faith comes because faith is a verb. Faith is an action word. Faith, if faith, when faith comes, it moves us. Faith moves the believer. Faith moves. That's what we've been given by the Lord, the measure of faith, so that we won't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, Romans 12 and 3, so that we can keep moving forward, led by the Spirit of truth into all truth, so that we can know some things. We need to know some things. And what you know has an effect on you. Folks tell me all the time that they know they should be in church. They know they should be in church. But, but it's not having an effect on them. I, I don't see them in church. I'll be there Sunday preaching, but they're not here. They, 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 they know that. They see that. They hear that, but it's not having the proper effect on them. Faith is not coming. So when Paul writes this, he says... You need to know this. You and I need to be aware of this. It needs to have an effect on us, a movable effect on us. Are, 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 you, are you okay with this this morning? You, that 
when, when we read the Word of God, study the Word of God, we should be looking to hear from our faithful Lord Himself to be moved by him, to read this, to know this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Do you know this? Or do we just read this? Do, do we understand this? Is it having an effect on us? And is the effect a movable effect in maturity, a movable effect? Maybe we need to repent that we've just been slothful and lazy and, and we've been more focused on uh, things in, of this world. And we're going to see that in this chapter because what Paul is referring to as he begins to describe these things that are so negative that we don't like looking at. We surely don't want them to be a part of our lives. But 90% or more of the church is entangled in all these things. This is a picture what we're about to read in this letter of the church. It's not a picture of the world. and He, he proves that when he says they have a form of godliness. They're trying to carry around the, this godliness, but they're denying the power. We said this. So this is about the church. But before we get to all that, we need to understand, you need to know this. You and I are living on fumes. Paul told the church in Corinth, write this down. Look at this after the broadcast. Paul told the church in Corinth in chapter 10, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that the things of the old covenant, the old scriptures were written for our admonition. Our admon they were written for us, our admonition, on whom the ends of this age have come. Now, now get this, that was written 19 or so hundred years ago. You can't tell me that we're not living on the fumes, that the door is not any Right, right now, any moment, uh, about to close like the door on the ark of Noah. It is about to close. Jesus is about to step out on that cloud, my friend, and take his bride home at any moment right now. You need to know that. That needs to have an effect on you, a movable effect on your life, back into a study of the Word, a faithful part to play in the local church, a, 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 a functional, faithful place that you walk in, that your prayers be found fervent before God as your faith remains in the cross of Christ because there is the only place we can function in righteousness that makes us the actual that makes our prayers actually fervent before God. It's the prayers of the righteous that avail much, but just because you're righteous doesn't mean your prayers will avail much. Peter wrote that if I don't treat my wife right, hey, my prayers are going to be hindered. Think about that. I'm righteous. I'm justified by the blood. But if I start mistreating my wife, and that's just one of many things, my prayers will be hindered. So just because I'm righteous does not mean that my prayers are going to be fervent and attended to by the Lord. But it's when, it's when my faith comes back to the cross and now I'm back on the path of righteousness and, 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 and the stains that, I, that I, I moved away from the cross and begin to trust in these fads and schemes of men, Revelation chapter 2, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 3, church in Sardis, my garment got stained. It's time to repent and come back to that blood of Jesus. Let those stains be removed. It's the only thing that can. Glory to God. So he says to Timothy, the church in Ephesus, and I pray to you, as well as me today, can you hear the Lord today saying, you got to know this also. That in the last days, you're in them. They began when Jesus showed up. That began this last age, this last era before Jesus takes his church away, the great tribulation, and then he comes and reigns on this earth and we with him as kings and priests for 1,000 years. You, you are about to witness the greatest thing you've ever witnessed outside of your born-again experience, and that is you being taken to the presence of the Lord in the twinkling of an eye. That is about to happen at any moment moment and hopefully before this broadcast is over. I hope you know this. Paul tells Timothy that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now Paul was living in the last days but he uses the phrase shall come. That means they're going to get more perilous. They're going to get more perilous and, and, I, and I want you to, to, to really understand that you're living and I can't stop saying this. You're living at the very edge of the door of this age being closed. 
And God then turns His attention to the Jewish people. He then, because it is the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of Israel's trouble, He then turns His attention to the Jews again. That's biblical. So you're living in the last of the last days, 1900 years or so after this was written. We need to let this have an effect on us, a movable effect, not a, a moment of, wow, that's scary. Wow, that's, wow, I need to be. No, you need to allow the Lord. Pray, go to prayer, go to praying. Lord, I need you to stir my heart. Because I know that I'm seeing this in the Word and the, the last days and that, that, that Paul said that we're living in this time zone, this time era, this, this end of this age. The end of this age has come upon us. This, this, this age where uh, uh, the, the, the time, the Bible calls it, uh, Brother Peyton sent me a, a note this morning. Peyton Harrison said, uh, talks, talking about the, the time of the Gentiles being fulfilled. There is a time that God set apart for the Gentiles to, to flood in, to be grafted in. Romans 11 talks about it too, that because of Israel's unbelief, they were cut off, and because they were cut off through unbelief, God has opened the door to the Gentile world, praise God. But the time of the Gentiles is about to be fulfilled. The door is about to be closed, and God is about to once again turn His attention to the people of Abraham, the Jewish people. But He says the times are going to be perilous. The times are going to be perilous. That does not mean that you and I, even though we have a picture of what's coming, what's here, and what's going to get worse, that we stop praying, that we have an attitude, well, it's going to happen anyway. What are we going to do about it? No, you're still to pray about it. You're still to pray about it. You're still told in the Word of God to pray for the peace of all men, to pray for all authority, all kings, all authorities in all places. We're to pray for them that their eyes be open, their, their ears be open, their hearts be receptive to the gospel, that they would turn to God's righteous judgment, God's righteous wisdom. We're never to stop praying for this because mighty things can happen, but the world's not going to stop getting darker. The governments are not all going to get in harmony, and when they do, they're not going to be in harmony for the right reason. There's only going to be one government that is righteous and just before God, and that's the one that rests upon the shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's coming to reign for a thousand years. His reigning and His authority and His ruling will all be in righteousness. Glory to God. And that's coming. But until then, th there may be a nation who's trying to live for Christ over here and one over here and we need to pray that they all do. But my friend, the Bible says that this world is going to grow darker and darker and darker and more evil and more evil and more evil. And there is no talk in the Word of God of a coming great revival. Outside of the, the, the last minute remnant of Israel before it, the, they have this appearance right before Christ comes for them, that they're going to be totally annihilated. He's going to come. They're going to believe upon Him, the nation Israel, and they're going to be revived. But outside of that, the Bible doesn't talk about a great revival coming. <coughs> it talks about a great falling away. In the third and the fourth chapter of this second letter written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul, given to him through Christ, the revelation of Christ, the Bible speaks of a church quickly and for the most part, mostly backsliding away. And that means you're already in it. If this age is about to close, and it is, Times are more perilous now than they've ever been, more darker now than they've ever been, not only for the world, but even in the church. Perilous. I'm going to read you this morning some definitions of perilous. Not really from the Webster's Dictionary, but just other words that this, peril, this word perilous means to enhance the, the, the vision, I pray God give us today, of perilous times. The, 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 the noisome pestilence 
which is what COVID-19 was. And I hear now that there's another strand already taking place that's more contagious. I'm not telling you there is. I'm telling you I heard there was. And the Bible says Jesus taught us that in the, before he comes, things are going to happen such as what's happening. Noisome pestilence. Not a little pestilence over here that hit some little town. Noisome pestilences that are making noise all over the world such as COVID-19. It's only going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Jesus taught it. Pestilences. Earthquakes. Uh, uh, people starving. Uh, these things are only going to intensify... And, and, and know this today, it's because sin is intensifying, even in the church. Most of the people right now who've ever been saved, who are breathing on this earth right now, while they think they're running to God, are running away from Him. You cannot serve God on your own terms. You cannot serve God outside of the avenue through which He made you a servant to serve Him, which is righteousness. That only takes place when my, your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Not the sacrifice <coughs> of Christ and something. Well, let me say this here at the beginning of the year. There's only one and that's in God's equation of us living for Him and what our faith should be in. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When you add another and to that, <clears throat> you remove yourself from Him. You are going a different direction than He's going. Paul told the church in Galatia, I marvel that you so quickly removed yourself from Him. How'd they do that? They begin to trust in circumcision again. They begin to trust in the rites, the rituals, the ceremonies, all the things that Israel of old had put their faith in and were required to back in the old days. But really, their faith wasn't even under the old covenant supposed to be in those things. They were supposed to function in those things as they would be types and shadows of the Savior that would come. And even though circumcision under the Old Covenant was that which was the seal, the sign of their righteousness, it's not what made them righteous. It was the sign and the seal that they were righteous because they were looking for that Savior, believing, trusting, and waiting for that Savior that was promised back in Genesis 3.15. Circumcision's never saved anybody, just as water baptism's never saved anybody. But the blood of Jesus will save anybody who trusts in it. And it will open your eyes. The only thing that will. And it's the only thing that will keep your eyes open. Folks who are running from God, folks who are removing... The church in Galatia did not think they were removing themselves from God, turning their backs on God, running the opposite direction from God. They thought it would intensify their relationship with Him. You see the point proven that I made. Most today are not walking with God. Their back has been turned on God. They've been entrapped, ensnared by the will of Satan and his schemes, his wiles, which is the purpose-driven life, the government of 12, the words you speak, the, the money you give, the, the anything we do, even the biblical things, if that's what our faith is in, then it's no longer in the cross because the cross rejects all the works of men. And the cross is the only place that grace flows into our lives. We need to remember those things. If you're not listening to these things, then you're just being cuddled like a mother would cuddle a rebellious son in his sleep, speaking over him as most preachers do today. God is going to do this in your life. God is going to throw this before you. God is going to pour out. God is going... Listen, we need to point them to the place God can pour out upon them. God can save them. God can and desires to bless them 
and God desires to deliver them. But speaking to them factual statements about God does not point them to the place where God is able to do this. And, and the Lord just showed me this picture this morning of a mother or grandmother, a father or grandfather cuddling a rebellious son while he sleeps. Speaking, oh, you're going to be a good son. Nothing wrong with doing that. Get the picture today. Cuddling over them while they are asleep, speaking positive words into their lives. Oh, you're a good boy. Oh, you're a good boy. Oh, you're a good boy. He awakens. He, he, he strips the walls of their paint. He, he uses foul language. He, he, he's just evil and he, he's selfish. The sin nature controls his life and we only wait for him to go to sleep so we can speak positive words to him again. Are you sitting under a cuddler in a pulpit? Are you sitting under those who are putting the bread of life on the table? The bread of who Christ is and what He did at Calvary. If not, my friends, you're entangled in the things that are perilous in this age. The darkness of this age. Entangled in the worldly things of this age. More attracted and more involved with your attention, your mind, your heart, your activity in the worldly things than that which God has called you to walk on this narrow path, this path of righteousness, this path that shines more into the perfect day. For no other place will God shine His light on but His path of righteousness. Perilous times. Perilous times. Perilous means dangerously difficult. You can look this up on your own free time. Perilous means dangerously, not just dangerous, not just difficult, but dangerously difficult times, perilous times. It also means a time of reduced strength. Reduced strength. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. It also means fiercely furious. Not just fierce, not just fur furious, but fiercely furious. You're going to see that in the days ahead if you keep breathing on this earth before the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Reducing strength. In the last days, perilous times shall come. It means a time of reduced strength. And if you know the biblical context of what we're about to read, the description of the church, God's people, in the last days. And again, he is talking about his people here. The world's always like this. The world has always been like this. He's talking about his church it's going to be reduced in the strength. But it's only because they're... We'll see why as we read through this. But can I, I submit something to you today that you might think about. I believe the rapture coming soon of the church at any moment now when the Lord comes for His bride takes us away. I believe what was symbolic of that under the Old Covenant was Israel being delivered from Egypt <clears throat> after many years of being slaves. And when the Lord delivered them through Moses, led them out of Egypt, there wasn't one feeble one among them. Well, there's many feeble ones among us now. And unlike the, the false, demonic, blasphemous teaching of kingdom now, where the Lord's waiting on the church to, to get right and the church to take over, so He'll just step in and assume command. That's not in your Bible, my friend. Only men who twist God's word make things up. The Bible here through the apostle Paul tells us things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes and takes us out of here. So if we look back at the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, we see what happened right before. Now I want you to hear this today. What happened right before God through Moses and Aaron delivered his people out. If that is, in fact, a typology of the church being raptured out, taken out, and, and when we exit this place, there won't be one feeble one among us, praise God. And he takes us to our promised land, which is with him forever and ever. If that is symbolic of the any moment coming rapture, look at what happened before they were taken out. Times got dangerously difficult. They were made 
to make the brick they'd always made, same amount, but yet they were sent out now on top of all their duties to get their own straw. And also notice that God began to show the world of Pharaoh and all his false gods that he trusted in that they were not gods and could not be trusted in. God is going to do that even more so right now. I believe, I believe it, let me say it again, that God entering into Egypt by Moses and Aaron to bring the people of God out was a type and a shadow. That wasn't a type of initial salvation. They went into Egypt as God's people. It was a type of God's deliverance for His people to bring them into the promised land. And I believe that Pharaoh first had to be shown that everything he was trusting in wasn't worth trusting in. Times are difficult that we live in today. There are more opportunities for our flesh to lust after a million things at any moment. Get in your car, drive down the road. You can't, you can't go without seeing something that would cause your flesh to lust after it. We're surrounded by wickedness and idolatry and iniquity and, and, and just uh, principalities of darkness and wickedness in high places are over every nation in the world today more powerfully present and working than ever before. The devil knows his time is short. You and I should know it as well. So there's things I believe that are going to happen in the days ahead to reveal to the world their gods don't even exist. They've trusted in flies and frogs and trees and water, the sun, the moon, who are no gods. But all been offered to them as gods by Satan himself only to hold them captive to their blindness, their lost state, the wickedness that controls them and keeps them bound and chained in cages of darkness. And God kept His people, Israel, during all the, the, the miracles that took place among Egypt didn't touch those of God's people. Didn't touch them. Stay on the path, my friend. Stay on this path, in this race God set before you to run. And you'll see it getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And as we run this race, in these last few moments, this race that God set before us on this path of righteousness, declaring this precious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light becomes brighter to a lost, dark world. God will see, not God, but the world, rather, will see this love that we have one to another. Not, not in feelings and affections, but as we love each other in, in, in deed and in truth. As we function together in the unity of the faith of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave Himself for us. That faith is the faith we live by. That faith is the faith that is fueled by love, that has the fruit of love, that we can see God's light shining brighter the closer we get to the closing of this age. And it is about to close. So perilous means dangerously difficult. A time where strength is reduced. Not just fierce and furious, but fiercely furious. What we've seen over the last four years, this virus... Over the last year, the political upheavals, not only in our nation, but what's going on in our nation, my friend, the upheaval, the evil, the, 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 the satanic powers attempting to overthrow the democracy, that which God has given us and this great constitution and all the, the magnificent, marvelous 
massive blessings God has bestowed upon this great nation is crumbling before us today. And the answer is the cross. The answer is the cross. There is no other answer from heaven than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It doesn't exist. And without faith in the cross, times can only be perilous. Times can only be perilous. When the church begins to put homosexuals and lesbians in their pulpits, when, when everybody's just given a position and everybody's told that they're winners and everybody's being told that, 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 that you're a winner and that all these, all these things have come in because we've turned away from the cross. The cross is what rejects everything else that we do as being worthy of trusting in. The cross rejects everything we do and trusting in that we're doing as being unworthy. It's unclean. And we need to remember that. This is a, a, an intro today to this second chapter of Timothy in chapter 3. And he begins to tell us. Let, let me read here three scriptures though before I don't want to leave it out. I've got these in my notes today. Three quick scriptures here you can reference, take notes, reference to go look at. I'll read them to you quickly concerning what we talked about early, earlier, the last days. The last days, the end of this age. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 is one of them I quoted to you earlier. And the, uh, the, these three are talking about the same thing. The last time, the last of this age, the end of this age, uh, the fullness of the time of the Gentile. Watch this now. 1 John 2.18, John writes, Little children, it is the last time. Now when you look that word up, you're going to find this word, hour. We're in the last, we're in the last hour of this age. Time is running out. And as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time, the last hour. And if this was written some 19 or so hundred years ago, how many Antichrists are there now? Many. Many antichrists. And, and John writes, this is how we know we're in the last hour. Because the antichrist, the spirit of antichrist, is preaching that which is antichrist. A message that's anti the blood, anti the cross, going a different direction, is antichrist. I, I can't say it enough. My faith is not in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, if it is not in the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not in Christ unless it's in His righteous work at Calvary in His humble, obedient act of death. The next one is the one I quoted to you this morning. Now all these things, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Now all these things happened unto them, O covenant saints, for in samples. The word means a, a, a stamp, a die, a picture to look at because what happened to them it's going to happen to you. That's what that word means. It's a, it's a sample for you to look at. Watch this. And they were written for our admonition to have an effect on us so that we could be moved by what we see happened among them. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. That means the ends of this age have come. There's been the age of innocence, the age of law, the age of grace. We're, we're in that period of time that's about to close. And the next, after the seven-year tribulation, the next age will be that last 1,000-year period that Christ reigns as king from Jerusalem with a rod of righteousness. And then at the end of that 1,000-year period, he then creates the new heaven and the new earth. We're at that door there now 
Today it could close. Pay attention. Let these things have an effect on you to move you by faith that you're becoming aware of these things now. That's why Paul wrote Timothy this letter to become aware of what's going on and aware of what's coming that it might have an effect on you by faith you're moved by these things into proper order, proper direction, proper preparation. The next one is 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll get to that. Maybe not. He's coming today, hopefully. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly, sharply, specifically, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You can't depart from something you never had, so just forget about all those commentaries you read that those people never had faith. and That's that once saved, always saved mindset. They, they can't understand most of the New Testament because of that trap of the enemy. They're, they're, they're eliminated from understanding much of what's written in the New Covenant because of that thing they hold so dear. But many... It says, now, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some, and that means many, shall depart from the faith. What's going to cause them to depart from the faith? Hear me now. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ by which we live. Paul said that in Galatians 2.20. I live in this flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. When we look away from the giving of Christ Self, when he gave himself for us, when we look, when we look away from that, and now we're trusting in this guy's conference, uh, this much money I've given, trusting in this purpose-driven, this government of twelve, this this walk of a man, all these things we've moved. You can't trust in all that in the cross too. Boy, somebody just heard that. Somebody just heard that. Oh, we're all hearing it with our physical ears, but somebody just heard that in a way you've never heard it. And now God is going to be able to have a different effect on you than He's had in the past, and He's going to be able to move you now in the right direction. Hallelujah. And your life is going to be changed forever because you looked back unto the cross. God saw that view you made, that gaze you made when you heard that you can't mix faith with the cross and other things. God saw that gaze you just placed upon His Son and what He did for you at Calvary and God's going to honor that. God's going to move you in the right direction and this year is going to be a different year for you in the midst of all those you're surrounded by that stays in the same darkness. But you're coming out. Hallelujah. Now, Let's finish this. The way that people depart from the faith is by giving heed to something else. See, we don't have to keep living by faith. And we sure don't keep living by faith even when we think we do if we turn away from the cross of Christ being the object of our faith. Someone may be listening to me today and you don't really agree with what I'm saying. It's because you've been seduced by seducing spirits. Doctrines of devils. Any doctrine that you're being taught that's not tied to that form of doctrine that made you free from sin and a servant of righteousness. Read Romans chapter 6 verse 17 and 18. Any doctrine which means teaching that you're being offered that's not tied to the object of faith being the cross, that's not tied to that form of doctrine that freed you from sin and made you a servant of righteousness, the only avenue in which God can be served. Not now just because you're righteous, but you can't serve God even as a righteous person unless your faith is in the cross that allows your fruit to be righteous. Peter was as righteous and just as he ever was 
as he was a believer in Christ, but the moment he stood up and, uh, and carried out the act of dissimulation, which is hypocrisy, and others were moved by him because he was moved in the wrong direction they were, Paul had to stand up and rebuke an already just and righteous man and remind him that we're not justified by works, but by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe 2021 is going to be a great move of God's Spirit in the church. That more people this year, right before the rapture is about to take place, which could be this year, next year, tomorrow, today, or any moment, before that happens, I believe there's going to be such a stirring in the hearts of God's people to look back to Calvary and see the beauty of God's holiness there to such a degree it will cause them to eliminate and burn all the other things that they have ever trusted in. The CDs, the DVDs, the books that, that point to you working and, and you uh, doing this and God will deliver you. All the false things, those things that seduced us and, and through the lust of our own flesh, James said, carried ourselves away unto all that. You can't blame the false teachers. They're everywhere. They will always be everywhere, but you can't blame them now and you won't be able to blame them at the judgment seat because it was our flesh lusting and it's the lust of our flesh that carried ourselves away, James said. This is going to be a great year for God's people. Oh, I didn't say that the majority won't stay in darkness, but there will be a few that comes out. There will be a few that comes out and those that have come out over the past few days, weeks, months, years, ever since this message of the cross has come back on the scene. Glory to God. That path is going to become brighter this year than it's ever been for you. As in the midst of a, of a fleshly desire to quit, that inner man is going to be strengthened by God as you look to the cross and, and you find where you thought you were going to faint, the Holy Spirit strengthening you, making His strength perfect in that weakness of ours. Let's read that again, 1 Timothy 4.1, talking about the latter times, the last hour. Now the Spirit speaks expressly, specifically. Get a hold of this, in other words. Don't miss this. Let this have an effect on you and let this move you in the right direction. Because if it doesn't move you in the right direction, it didn't have the godly effect the Holy Spirit intends on it to have. Boy, I need to say that again. If God's Word is not having an effect on us that moves us in the proper direction then we're not then it's not faith it's not faith you can say the words jumped off the page all day long but did they jump into your heart have a a proper effect on you the proper effect is where the holy spirit is able to guide you into that that you say jumped off the page come on now perilous times shall come Mm. What we're about to read in the following verses is the result of those who claim to be Christians, and many are, but who are not following Christ through faith in the cross. They are either without the knowledge of the power of the cross or they've rejected the knowledge of the power of the cross. One is ignorance, and as we've heard for years now, you can be ignorant. Now, you're going to suffer either way. If you don't know how to live for God which means through faith and the sacrifice of Christ alone. If you don't know that, you're going to suffer and the sin nature is going to dominate you. You can say, no, it's not. No, it's not till you're blue in the face. You can say you don't have a sin nature till you're blue in the face, but you're not in agreement with God and you're not walking with God. The sin nature is dominating you. You don't walk with God under the law. And every person who's been saved and goes back to trusting in schemes and, and fads and the things men tell us to trust in and then God will do this or do that, really, I'm not going to say you're back under law. I'm not going to say you're not, but I'll put it this way. We go back and live as though we're under law. And God doesn't function under law. God only does one thing when He sees people under the law today. He points them to His Son and what His Son did at Calvary so that He can... The book of Galatians tells us, redeem us from the law. Hallelujah. Well, you wouldn't believe it, but it's an hour already passed up 
sharing this wonderful Word of God. I pray that you join us every Friday morning as we endeavor to walk on through this teaching of the great Apostle Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit, not only to Timothy and the church in Ephesus, but to you and me. Join us every Friday morning here at 9 a.m. And I pray that you would share these teachings on social media, that you would give into the ministry. Listen, this church, God is blessed financially since we began preaching the message of the cross going on 16 years now. It's never a need to get by to pay the light bills for, 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 for finances. The need is for you to be a part of what God is doing, to sow into, according to God's Word, what God is doing, what God is saying in these last days. And those of you who are being affected by this and moved by this properly by God's Spirit, I thank you for your giving. You can give at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903 231 5950. God richly bless you and make His countenance to shine upon you greater in 2021. And I know He will if you'll keep looking unto Calvary. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.